Welcome to Your Torah, a 36-week journey into the world of the 63 books of the Mishnah, 18 minutes at a time. A project of Jofa UK, designed as a special invitation to engage in Torah and make it yours. This episode of Your Torah is dedicated by Shira Hechtkoller to the memory of Esther Zuroff, who passed away a few weeks ago. Before moving to Israel, she was longtime Director of Student Services at Stern College, beloved by thousands of students for her hospitality, friendship, keen intellect and sharp wit. May her memory be elevated by this learning. Hi, I'm Shira Hecht-Kohler, educator, teacher, writer, and Director of Communal Engagement at Drisha in New York City. I'm thrilled to be teaching and learning together with you as part of this wonderful Mishnah initiative and excited to be able to build community over shared texts, values, and Torah learning. Today, together, we'll be exploring Seder Kudshim with an overview of its core themes and central structure. Seder Kudshim is the fifth Seder order in the Mishnah. Of the six orders, it is the third longest and consists of 11 Masechtot, tractates. Seder Kudshim deals largely with the religious service within the Beit HaMikdash, primarily with the Korbanot, the sacrificial offerings, and other subjects considered or related to the framework of holiness. The Seder is rich conceptually and in its details, so let's jump right in. The sacrificial service in the Beit HaMikdash, referred to simply as Avudah, or service, by Chazal, the sages, is one of the central foundations of the Torah. Even after destruction of the temple, when the laws of the Korbanot became theoretical and relevant only for messianic times, Chazal continued to discuss these topics to the extent that we have an entire order of Talmud on Seder Kudshim. It's interesting to note that this lies in contrast to the other two Sidarim that are no longer relevant as Halakha Lema'aseh, practical law, that is, Zra'im and Taharot. In those two Sidarim, the commentary of the Gemara, the Babylonian Talmud, exists only on the tractates that are practical and relevant to our daily lives. In Seder Zra'im, we have the commentary of the Gemara on Masachet Brachot, containing the laws of Brachot and Tfilah. And in Seder Taharot, we have the commentary of the Gemara on tractate Nidah, relating to laws of marital and ritual purity. In contrast, on Seder Kudshim, the Gemara's commentary exists on almost the entire Seder. Although the subject matter wasn't relevant to daily life in the Babylonian academies, the Gemara was included to follow the idea that the study of the laws of the temple service is a substitute for the service itself. This idea is connected to the Pasuk in Sefer Tehillim, which says, Unishalma parim sfatenu, our lips can compensate for cows, meaning that in the absence of actual korbanot, we instead discuss them and compensate for their loss. With that in mind, let us first look at some central aspects of korbanot discussed at length in the first two Masachtot of Seder Kudshim and which serve as the foundation for discussions in the rest of the Seder. We will then proceed to look at the structure and content of the rest of the Masachtot in the Seder, unifying their structural themes. Even in places where the Torah offers a lengthy description of the requirements of sacrifice, there's not enough information for us to understand what actually must be done without the traditions of the oral law and the explanations of Chazal on these matters. 
Furthermore, the Torah only instructs what must be done without devoting attention to questions of how to deal with situations where the activities were not done according to the requirements. Therefore, the Mishnah, in the opening tractates of Seder Kedshim, takes on the task of offering general, organized principles that govern the sacrificial service and explain what to do when mistakes are made. Let's take a look at some of these organizing principles. The first two tractates, Masachat Zvachim and Masachat Menachot, should be viewed as sister tractates. Both of them focus on the rules and regulations associated with the sacrificial service. Although Masachat Zvachim deals with sacrifices brought from living creatures that are slaughtered, animals and fowl, while Masachat Menachot is about sacrifices that originate in the plant world, Menachot, meal offerings brought from grains, wheat and barley, and libations of wine and oil. Sacrifices from living creatures can be organized in a number of ways. One straightforward distinction is between sacrifices from animals and from fowl, both of which are dealt with in Zvachim. Similarly, we can divide animal sacrifices based on the type of animal, larger cattle, such as cows and bulls, or smaller livestock, such as goats and sheep, based on the age of the animal or based on the sex of the animal. Some sacrifices can be brought from any of these animals, while some are limited to specific animals or types of animals. Another type of distinction is based on the level of holiness of the sacrifice. Is it kodshe kodshim, the holiest of sacrifices, or kodshim kalim, sacrifices on a lower level of holiness. Sacrifices are also divided up based on time and place. Some sacrifices can be slaughtered only in the northern part of the temple courtyard, while others can be killed anywhere in the courtyard. The blood of some sacrifices is sprinkled in the Kodesh Kadashim, Holy of Holies. In others, it is sprinkled on the golden altar, the Mizbech Zahav, outside of the temple. Even on the Mizbech, it may be placed on the upper part of the altar or the lower part. It may be put on each of the four horns of the altar or on two of the corners. At the same time, some sacrifices can be brought at any time, others according to the individual need of the person bringing the sacrifice, while others must be brought only at specific times. Some sacrifices are not eaten at all. Others are consumed by the Kohanim, while some have parts that are given to the owner of the korban to eat. Of those that are eaten, some must be consumed on the day that they were brought, while others can be eaten on the following day as well. There are four basic avodot, activities, that must be performed for each animal sacrifice. Shechita, slaughtering the animal. Kabbalat hadam, collecting the blood at the time of slaughter. Holacha, carrying the sacrifice to the altar. And zrikat hadam, sprinkling the blood on the altar. Sacrifices brought from fowl involve just two avodot, milika, killing the bird, and itinat hadam, placing the blood on the altar. The issues of time, place, and the order of the service are of utmost importance when bringing sacrifices. In some cases, any change from the required practice will invalidate the sacrifice, although in some cases, certain changes will be acceptable ex post facto. A unique set of laws that apply to the sacrificial service involve the fact that sacrifices may become disqualified not only by inappropriate actions, but even by means of inappropriate thoughts. Two cases of inappropriate thoughts apply to all sacrifices. Someone who thinks that he will bring a sacrifice or eat it after the appropriate time creates a situation of pigul, for which he will be liable to receive the punishments of karet if he eats it. Someone who thinks that he will bring the sacrifice or eat it outside of the place where he is required to eat it 
will disqualify the sacrifice. There are other cases of inappropriate thoughts, such as a case where the person intends to bring the animal for the wrong sacrifice or the wrong person. For most sacrifices, if such a mistake were made, the person would not fulfill his obligation. Let's take a look now at some basic principles of menachot, sacrifices that originate in the plant world. Just as is the case regarding animal sacrifices, we find a variety of different sacrifices in the general category of menachot. There are those that are voluntary, nidava, those that are obligatory, chova, and those that come to effect atonement for sin. There are those brought by individuals, korban yachid, and those brought on behalf of the community, korban sibur. Another parallel to animal sacrifice is the fact that while some parts are burned on the altar, other parts are given to the koanim to eat. Nevertheless, there are differences as well. For example, all menachot are considered kodshe kodshim, the highest level of holiness, and they can only be eaten by male koanim in the temple courtyard. The sacrificial service that we find for the mincha is similar to that of an animal sacrifice. After preparing the meal offering, the kohen takes a kometz, a fistful, from the mixture, places it in one of the temple vessels to sanctify it, carries it to the altar, and burns it on the altar. From that time, the remnants are permitted to the koanim to eat. Thus, the four main activities of the mincha parallel those of animal sacrifice. One, kmitza, taking the fistful of flour, parallels shchita, the slaughtering of the animal. Two, placing the komets in the temple vessel, parallels collecting the blood in a temple vessel. Three, carrying the komets to the altar, parallels carrying the blood to the altar. And four, burning the komets on the altar, parallels sprinkling the blood on the altar. It is during these four acts that inappropriate thoughts will disqualify the service. Thus, the comments of the meal offering and the blood of the animal sacrifice symbolize the atonement offered by this sacrifice, and completing that service allows the rest of the sacrifice to be eaten or brought on the altar as appropriate. Among the difference between these sacrifices is the fact that an animal sacrifice is ready to be slaughtered and brought to the altar with minimal preparation, while the meal offering must be prepared from different ingredients flour, oil, frankincense, in order to be ready for sacrifice. In reality, the first two tractates in Seder Kachim, Zvachim and Menachot, constitute a single whole dealing with sacrificial service inasmuch as each contains elements of ritual law that apply to the other. The latter part of Menachot, for example, appears to be a summary of the general rules. The concluding Mishnah quotes passages that appear regarding animal sacrifices, and meal offerings, which agree that both are offerings desired by God, allowing the Mishnah to close by teaching that it makes no difference whether one offers much or little, so long as he directs his heart to heaven. Throughout the Gemara of Seder Kadshim, there's significant space devoted to laws that have no direct connection with sacrifices, but since they were mentioned in the Mishnayot, they are discussed at length. Thus, the major discussion in the Talmud of such topics as tzitzit, tefillin, and mezuzah are found here. And although these topics are mentioned in other tractates as well, Masachat Menachot is the main source of information when rulings on these matters appear in halachic works. Let's take a brief look now at the structure and content of the rest of the Masachot in Seder Kadshim. As noted, there are 11 tractates in Seder Kadshim, the first two dealing with sacrifices and meal offerings, as we noted in detail. The third is chulin, which means ordinary or mundane things, and deals with the laws of shechita of animals for human consumption as opposed to sacrificial service. 
As its name implies, this tractate, in contrast to the other tractates of this order, is almost wholly devoted to the halachot relevant to the eating of meat and to the gifts due to the koenim from animals of Chulin. Unlike the other tractates, Chulin thus deals with matters of practical halacha applying to all Jews at all times, even after the destruction of the temple. Probably for this reason, it was customary in the time of the Geonim to join it with the order of Moed. The next Masachet is Bechorot, means firstborn, deals with the sanctification and redemption of animal and human firstborns. The Torah, and Sefer Shemot, Parakud Gimel, presents three separate situations where the laws of the firstborn apply. One, a firstborn male that must be redeemed by his father. Two, a firstborn male animal that is sanctified from birth and is to be sacrificed. And three, a firstborn male donkey that must be exchanged for a lamb. The next Masechet, Erechin, Dedications, deals mainly with a person dedicating their value to the temple or dedicating a field. In contrast with the other tractates in Seder Kachim, which deal with temple sacrifices, the focus here is on vows made by individuals for the use and upkeep of the Beit HaMikdash, referred to as Bedek Habayat. The next Masachet, Tmurah, means substitution and outlines the laws of what happens if an animal is substituted for an animal dedicated for a sacrifice. The seventh Masachet, Kritot, meaning excisions, deals with the commandments for which the biblical penalty is karet. The tractate does not deal with the definition of karet itself, which is understood as a divinely imposed penalty and variously defined as a shortened lifespan, a spiritual death, or being unable to procreate, rather with its implications in Jewish law. That is to say, situations where a person accidentally violates a law for which the punishment is karet and will be obligated to bring a korban chatat, a sin offering, or where such a person is unsure whether or not he has transgressed and will be obligated to bring an asham taloi, a conditional guilt offering. The next masachet, mi'ilah, means sacrilege, deals with the laws of restitution for the misappropriation of temple property. It is followed by masachet tamid, means always, which outlines the procedures of the korban tamid, the daily sacrifice in the temple. The next masachet, midot, means measurements and describes the measurements of the second temple. The final masachet, kinim, means nests and deals with the complex laws for situations where the mixing of bird offerings has occurred. With that overview in mind, Let's reflect back on the general framework of sacrifice as being so central to Jewish life and ask the question, why? What is the ultimate purpose of the korbanot? There is a famous and formative machloket, disagreement, between the Rambam, Maimonides, and Ramban, Nachmanides, as to the overall purpose of korbanot. According to the position of Maimonides, as laid out in his philosophic work, Mora Nevuchim, The Guide to the Perplexed, the Jewish people, influenced by different cultures, had become accustomed to the ritualistic dependency of animal sacrifice. And because human nature is such that people can't instantaneously abandon existing religious practices, God retained the practice of animal sacrifices. This ancient practice of the idolaters was redirected towards worshiping God through the service of bringing korbanot. The Rambam's position in the Guide to the Perplex elicited a stinging attack by the Ramban, Nachmanides. 
the Ramban brings a series of sources that prove that sacrifices are fundamental and not merely a response to external influences on the Jewish people. Firstly, he says, the Torah tells us that Cain offered a sacrifice, obviously predating any pagan influence. Secondly, in many places, the Torah refers to Korbanot as being reach nichoach lahashem, a pleasant fragrance to God. If Korbanot are merely a concession to man's weakness, why would God be so pleased with them? The Ramban's perspective is that the various actions involved in bringing a korban relate to different aspects of man's need for exoneration. Since human conduct is expressed in thought, speech, and action, God instituted that a person who has committed a sin and offers a sacrifice shall place his hands on it, symbolizing the deed, make a confession as a reminder of the misused power of speech, and burn with fire the internal organs and the legs, symbolizing the organs of lust and desire and instruments of human action. The blood is sprinkled on the mizbeach, altar, as a symbol of his blood. According to the Ramban, all this should make him realize that having sinned against God with his body and soul, he would deserve to have his blood spilled and his body burned. However, God, in his infinite mercy, accepts this substitute for an atonement and its blood in lieu of his. This is a famous and fascinating disagreement that has evoked much commentary and discussion throughout Jewish history. But regardless of the conclusion and what the original intent of the Korbanot actually was, the reality as we have it is that Korbanot play a central role both in Jewish law and in Jewish thought to the extent that one-sixth of the Mishnah deals with its frameworks and procedures, enabling us as learners to study its details and enter its world. Happy learning. This episode of Your Torah is brought to you by Jofa UK, in collaboration with women from around the world who all share a passion for Torah study. If you are enjoying Your Torah, consider sponsoring an episode. Find out more by visiting ukjofa.org. Join the conversation on social media using the hashtag your Torah.